This new series is called This Is Us. We are stories weaved together, all writing a bigger story, a kingdom story. Now, our church has been rich in history and impact. Erie First has been a lighthouse to this community for decades. And, and some of you have been here from some of the very first moments that it came into this building and, and, and decided to, to do certain ministries and certain things. But I want to focus today and for the rest of this month on this phrase, we aren't done yet. We aren't done yet. I was hoping I'd get an amen right there. Because there is a city, there is a nation, there is a world that still needs the saving hope and message of Jesus Christ, and maybe now more than ever. A new chapter is being written in our story, and it's full of new challenges, things that other generations never even had to deal with, never even had to think about. And it's time for Erie First to carry out its mission with renewed focus and urgency. And, and that is the exact reason why when Pastor Daniel said he felt anticipation, I feel that today, this morning. Because I really believe that together we can accomplish so much more than alone. That God will move in ways that we can't even dream when we become a church full of players on the field, not fans in the stands. A church of contributors, not just consumers. A church that shows up to play, which we hope the Steelers do today too, and the Browns. I, I'm, I'm by it, whatever you guys want, whatever you cheer for. All right, <laughs> or something different. So this new series is all about our church family. This church family that's Bible-based, Jesus-centered, ever-growing, never-perfect, broken, but beautiful church family. And, and this morning, if it's your first time here, or you maybe have been here for more years than you can count on two hands, I wanna tell you, you're part of the family. Maybe you're questioning your faith today, you don't have it quite all figured out. Well, welcome to the family, because you're among friends. Not many of us have it all figured out. You're part of the family. This whole series, we're gonna have special moments in our services highlighting the depth of who we are. So as you saw today, we had uh, the painting during worship, and didn't they turn out amazing? Can we just give God praise for those gifts? I told them uh, earlier, if I was gonna do this, there'd be like a smiley face with a stick figure on the bottom. So certainly God has put inside of, of Bree and Sydney this gift to express worship that way. Uh, the, the elementary Erie First Kids just led us in an amazing song, and in just a little while, uh, Regina, Judy, and Rick are gonna close our service with a powerful worship song that you're just gonna love. But this is us. And so every week this month, we're gonna highlight some different areas of things that we are that all together we make the kingdom of God. Our church, the church of Jesus, is like, it's like a diamond with many different facets. And, and, and you know maybe exactly how the light hits. Just when you think you know uh, the way the light bounces it off, you turn it slightly and there's something that you've never seen before. God has things in this church that you have never even seen before, that you have never experienced, and that's what he's gonna reveal to us in these next few weeks. And my prayer for this series is that we would appreciate each other in a new way. My prayer for this series is that even the differences between us would highlight the goodness of God in every generation. That even the things that, that maybe aren't our preference or the way we would do it or our style, 
That because it brings honor and glory to God, that we can all cheer each other on. Because this is us. We need each other. We need each other to see the fullness of God. And if we don't have the diversity of culture and age and race and background and spiritual experiences, we will miss a facet of Jesus that we would find in no other way. And so I want to start us off in 2 Corinthians 2. 2 through 3 says this, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Now, in the original language, that word heart that says on the tablets of human hearts means the center of a person's spiritual and intellectual activity. It's the place where God begins his work of renewal. It's not your actual physical beating heart. It's the thing inside of you that makes you love things, that makes you love people. And Paul is saying that a letter or or a picture or a message is indelibly etched on your heart. And that message comes straight from the living Holy Spirit of God. And what he's saying in this passage is that everyone should be able to tell what the picture is written on your heart. That that picture is what you were born to fulfill. It's the destiny that only belongs to you. It's the purpose that if you don't fulfill it, no one else will. That it was written on your heart for you. And what this tells me is that God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for your life, and he is not wanting to hide it from you. I think so often we have these moments where we're like, if God would just tell me what my vision is, I would do it. He doesn't want to hide that from you. The scripture says he wants you to understand it so much that he has written it in your heart for only you to understand, for only you to discover. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is the picture that the spirit of the living God has written on your heart for everyone to know and everyone to read? What's inside of you that once it gets released, will begin renewal, not just in your heart, but, but to all of us? Some of us can't see the picture very clearly right now. Some of you would maybe admit, you know, my photo is a bit fuzzy. Maybe I used to know, I used to have this calling and purpose and understood, but now I'm in the season of life where I can't quite figure it out. Some of you would say, I don't know exactly what my contribution to the kingdom is right now. Some of you haven't even put film in your camera, so so you're not even thinking about it. But the idea here is this. I need you to find that picture in your heart almost as much as you need to find it. The kids in this church that you just saw, they need you to find that picture in your heart. The college students, they need you to find it. Every generation needs you to find it because only together, the scripture says, is when we see the fullness of God. And there are some things that we will never understand unless you realize your purpose, your calling, and you live out your destiny. But when we all do that, we can make Jesus famous. We can do that together. The scripture talks about vision, and I want to camp here a little bit today in Proverbs 29, 18. You might have heard this before. This is from the KJV version, and it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The NIV version says it this way, 
Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So I did some study of why those words were different. Why, why does one version say this particular word and the other version say this word? And let me tell you what this means. The reason why the NIV says it differently is because God's people must live by revelation. And if revelation is scarce, if the word of God is not alive in us, then the people will die inside. That's what it's saying. Where there is no revelation, people perish. People spiritually die inside. Or they are without restraint, which means they become wild, out of control, chasing after things that aren't healthy or good for them, things that they think are going to bring them pleasure or fulfillment, but will always leave them empty. And so what this is saying, back to 2 Corinthians, is the letter written on your hearts is shaped and perfected by God's word. It's, it's born out of God's word. It's refined out of God's word. It's, it's sliced into pieces and, and brought together by God's word. And so when we're not in God's word, our vision is just all over the place. We don't know what God wants us to do with our life. And then we are completely lost. We're people without restraint or people who feel like we're dying inside. We talk a lot about organizations. Maybe you work for a company and individuals that have a vision. There's a ton of books about vision statements and mission statements and core values and goals and all those things. And those are all great guidelines and they're great advice. And it's something we do here at Erie First to, to help guide us. But the difference, the Lord told me this week, the difference is the world operates solely on vision. And vision is things that you can see. Vision is observations that you can make when you look at something. That is the definition of vision. But the difference is this. God's people must live by revelation. God's people must live by revelation. That God's people function in a radically different way. Christ's followers arrange their lives based on the revelation of God, regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Regardless of whether it's the, in the natural or not, God's people dream up plans that can only happen if God shows up. God's people have confidence in what they hope for and assurance in what they cannot see with their vision. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between simply vision and revelation? In Deuteronomy 11, Moses is with the Israelites, so he's with all these people. And imagine this, they've been wandering in the wilderness and he is trying to pastor them. And he is so serious about the Israelites not losing vision because I think he has read Proverbs and he knows that if these people lose vision, we're going to die. If these people lose vision, they're going to get crazier than they already are. And so Moses says, listen, and this is Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. He says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. He's talking about God's words. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses is saying, write it everywhere. Talk about it all the time. Don't lose sight of God's revelation for your life. This letter he has written on your heart is what's going to give you purpose. It's what's going to give you value. And the word of God is what shapes that vision. You are not meant to just survive and coast through life. You are not meant to earn as much money as possible and then retire and call it a wrap. 
When your kids leave the house, that doesn't mean your mission leaves with it. You are meant to get up with an agenda, to wake up with a vision for your life every day, to ask God for a revelation for your family, for your children, for your workplace, for your life stage, and then walk that out intentionally every day. And not just a vision, but a revelation. A revelation that you cannot see unless God shows up. So Moses goes on in this chapter in, in, in Deuteronomy 11 and 23 through 25, and he reminds the Israelites, listen, this is what God said is going to happen. Are you ready? This is what he said is going to happen. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. They will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. Now, the Israelites in their vision, could not see this happening. They looked around, and they saw a bunch of hungry, unorganized, pitiful, lost people. Probably those guys picking their nose, and those guys arguing about if it's corn or wheat, and those guys, I mean, they're looking around thinking, are you kidding me? We've got huge nations ahead of us. We don't have half of the things that we need to fight them. I can never imagine how God is going to accomplish this vision for our lives. In fact, in my mind's eye, I imagine them looking at Moses thinking, sit down. I know that that's what God said, but there's no way he can do that with these people. And this might be just how you feel. You look at your life and you think, I'm a mess. Like, I have left a trail of heartache and pain in my path. I am tired. I'm broke. I'm distracted. I'm old. I'm hurt. There's just no way that the things that God wants to do with my life, the vision and the revelation from him are the things he's actually going to do. And I want to remind you this morning, you may not have a vision for your life, but be assured God does. Be assured that God does. And there is nothing, nothing too tired, too broke, too hurt, too old, too far down the line, not where you thought you would be in your life. None of those things disqualify you from the vision and revelation that God himself has written on your heart for you to fulfill. In Acts 13, 36, it says this, now when David, talking about King David, had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. This verse tells us we each have a purpose in our own generation, that our church has a new purpose. And that's why when I talk about we're writing a new chapter in this generation, this is what I mean. The only ones who can reach our generation today, the only ones who can show Christ to people today, the only ones who can love a city right now is the men and women living in this generation right now. That's how God designed it. He did not ask John Wesley and George Whitefield and D.L. Moody or any other famous theologian to reach today's generation. He said, that is up to us. We cannot rely on the saints of the past of this church. We cannot rely on the saints of the past of this city or this nation or this world to do the work that God is asking us to do in our generation. And that call and that urgency and that vision is ours to hold. It's ours to carry out. That is our responsibility. And we can't let it down. We can't give it up. 
Because then we will not fulfill what, the purpose in our own generation. Now, there's a few things that we need to remember when we're dealing with this vision or revelation that God wants to do with our lives. And, and here's the first one. For every vision, there's a provision. For every vision, there's a provision. Now, this is not a quote from me. This is a T.D. Jakes quote, who is an amazing preacher, an amazing pastor. But this quote has stuck with me. In fact, the Lord has brought this quote to my mind, and I pray he does it for you through different times of my life. Now, provisions can come in many forms. It doesn't just mean money. Provisions can come in relationships. How many of you have ever had a, a difficult time in your life, and you look back and you think, man, if it wasn't for that one friend... Raise your hand. If it wasn't for that one person, if it wasn't for that one encourager in my life, I would have never made it. That was God's provision for you. They can come in the form of faith. You, you go up against something and you think, I'll never be able to handle this. And God gives you just the patience you need and the wisdom you need and, and the faith you need in the crisis. It can come in the form of resources. It can come in the form of connections. Several years ago, Joel and I had a vision uh, a revelation from God, really, that we needed to take Kyalfa from the summit to Edinburgh University and that we, we wanted to make a bigger impact on more students. But we needed a place to have our worship meetings. And we had our eyes set on this old Newman Center that sat right across from campus. It was within th stone's throw distance to a lot of dorms. It was next to a ton of apartments. It was an easy place for students to access. It was right across from the dining hall. And we were just looking at it. We were praying about it. Uh, Joel called and said, hey, can we rent this from you? We're willing to do whatever it takes. And the rental company said, um, no, we only rent to people who have apartment rental agreements with us. And so we asked around. I, my first idea was Joel could move into the apartment. Just kidding. <laughs> I like him. I like him. We asked around. We asked if any of our students or friends or families, anyone, anyone renting from this company? Is anybody renting from this company? Nobody was. So we were like, all right, well, I guess that door's closed. We'll look around for something else. Now, every year, uh, the apartment complex does this big raffle where hundreds of students put their names in, uh, and, and the, the prize is they get one year free rent. Now, how many of you have ever been a college student before? One year free rent is like the lottery, okay? So this is a very... People wanted this. It was very coveted. There were, I don't know, maybe even a thousand names. There's a lot of names in this barrel. All right, and they did it very methodically. They put a bunch of names in a barrel, and they... You know, really no rhyme or reason to this thing. And Joel and I went to the picnic uh, just because some of our students were there. They put their names in. And they, they had to pick out one name from this barrel. And out of hundreds of names, they pick it out and they call Allie Saring, a Kyle student leader who now works on Joel's staff. And because he, she was officially a renter, we gained access to that perfectly located building for free, for years. Yeah, thank God for that. <laughs> and Joel and I just stood there and looked at each other. And Joel said, if I could have rigged it, I would have, but I couldn't. <laughs> and I said, this is amazing. And I remember somebody, a faith-filled person in my life said, you know, I'm so happy for you, but I'm so surprised you're surprised because for every vision, there's a provision. 
For every vision, there's a provision. And if your blessing or your provision isn't here yet, I want to encourage you, don't lose hope. Because Matthew 6, 8 says, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. He knows what you need. And for every vision, for every revelation that God has put in your heart, he will provide the provision. It's interesting, his provisions are often daily. In the New Testament, we pray this prayer, we say, Give us this day our daily bread. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a widow who gets just enough in her jar to do what she's supposed to make, what she's needed to do. And, and I want to remind you this morning that there may be a period in your life that you get just enough of what you need. And in those just enough seasons, wake up with a vision Wake up with a revelation from God that with every vision, there is a provision. I want to infuse faith in you this morning that for every vision, there's a provision, even in the just enough moments. Even if you're living in the, I got just enough patience for today. I have just enough faith for today. I have just enough money to pay my bills. God is providing for you in the vision in your life. All right, secondly, we need to remember to be open to God's revisions. To be open to God's revisions. So when we set out on the mission that God calls us to, we have to stay very close to him because he might make a revision. We, might, we may get off track. We might lose our way. We, we so often do that. We, we get distracted by something shiny, you know, and then we're over here. And God's like, okay, I got to get you back. I got to get you back. Or maybe uh, circumstances come, things aren't what they ought to be. You know, uh, people make choices and you have to cooperate with God to fulfill his perfect plan at times. And so other people in your life make choices and, and that puts you in a position where you're off kilter. But here's the deal. We can rest in the fact that God is the greatest editor of all time. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So let me tell you something today. You might be on plan D or E or F or G or H or I, J, K for your life. You may be on that plan, but, and you might have to be adjusting all the time because things aren't working out the way you thought they would. But be open to God's revisions. Be open to God's revisions. Moses is a guy who knows a lot about revisions. When he is leading the Israelites through the wilderness, they had their ups, they had their downs. But even in those moments, God was developing them. When the Israelites needed bread, God says, don't worry about it, I'll rain it down from heaven. Just what you need, just for that day. Don't keep it, it'll spoil. Just use what I'm giving you that day. When they needed light, God was a pillar of fire for them. When we are in the valley, when we're in the wilderness, it gives God an opportunity to show himself strong. And so sometimes that valley is on purpose. Sometimes that valley is a revision. Sometimes it's because you did something stupid. But sometimes it's on purpose. And in those moments, God is writing this revision for the picture, the vision that he has in your heart. And if we follow God and we live out our vision, we will go both to the hill and both to the valley, but we will come out stronger, closer to the maker of those hills and those valleys. All right, thirdly and lastly, we need to remember that this vision, this revelation that God gives us, we need to see the vision from God's perspective. 
We need to see the vision from God's perspective. So naturalists recently have discovered that there's only one creature in the whole world that has both a positive and negative lens in its eye. I have a picture of it. It is a, do you know what this is? It's not coming, but it's a chameleon. There it is. All right. <laughs> they, maybe not. They will all sit still. <laughs> Revision. Revisions right there. Okay. Um, chameleons will sit still. There it is. And they can um, move their eyes. They can actually move one eye this way and one eye that way or up or down. So they can see when uh, the attackers are coming. They can be successful in catching food because a fly will come over here and they're looking over here and they'll just zap it. And they see differently than the rest of all of creation. They see differently than the rest of all of creation. And it reminded me in Numbers 13, Caleb and Joshua are sent out to scout some land. And they come back. They go to the land. They come back. They say, listen, it's flowing with milk and honey. There's fruit. It's amazing. Yeah, there's some powerful people there. But, and there's some threats. But I'm not worried about that. We can conquer that. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's be brave. Let's go back. Let's face our fear. We can take this land. God has this provision for us. And then there's the other guys that went with them. And they say, um, do we look at the same thing? Because you crazy. We are like grasshoppers compared to them. That's what literally the scripture says. We should not go. We should not chase that dream. We are intimidated. We are afraid. We will live without the grapes. We want to stay here. One set of people saw the fruit one set saw the giants. One set of people saw the obstacles. Caleb and Joshua saw their God. When we see the vision and the revelation from God's perspective, we can be bold and courageous in the pursuit of it. So what do you see when you look at God's vision for your life? Do you see the giants or do you see the fruit? Do you see the giants or do you see the grapes? Do you see the obstacles or do you see the God who overcame them all? When Jesus was on earth, he had a vision for his church and he described it often. He described it in Acts. He described it in Matthew. We've talked about some of these before. But when I read the scriptures that described the church, I could see these five things. That the church should have anchored teaching. The church should have spirit-led worship and prayer. The church should have redemptive community. The church should have purposeful outreach. And the church should have radical generosity. Hopefully, if you've been here for any length of time, those words are starting to sound familiar. And this is why they are the core values of Erie First. These are the things that we believe that we must do to be part of the church, the vision for the church that Jesus had. And in those same scriptures and through the life of Christ, I believe we see a very specific revelation from God about what we should be laser focused on. As a church, we could do so many things, but these are the things that I believe that God has said in his word, the revelation from his word that we should be laser focused on. And this is why Erie First exists, to love God and his people, to build Jesus-centered lives, and to send spirit-led disciples to love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send spirit-led disciples. And those spirit-led disciples will love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send out more spirit-led disciples. And then guess what those spirit-led disciples are gonna do? It's easy. Okay, love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send out more spirit-led disciples. 
who are going to do it over and over and over. And this is God's design to grow the kingdom of God. Just do something for me real quick. Just say these words. Love, build, send. So when someone asks you, hey, so what's your church about? What's Erie First about? Build and send. That's what we do. We love build and send. We love build and send. Now there's some other words there that you can, you can if, you're a, you know, if you're a champion, you can memorize it all. But I'll be happy if you get those three words. If someone asks you, what is your church about? What does Jesus want for the local church? I believe that he wants us to love, build, and send. And we believe that these three practical steps will help us love, build, and send. Quint talked about it a little bit last week, that we want every person, every person part of the congregation to attend service, to join a group, and serve on a team. To attend service, join a group, and serve on a team. And those three things will equip us to love, build, and send with the gospel to this city, to this state, to this nation. And I really believe it could even change the world. And so as you see, I'm going to invite Regina and Judy and Rick up here. They're getting ready um, to end today. But I believe that we are part of Jesus' vision for his church. Don't miss this part. We have a part, and we have to do our part. And the vision that you get from God, that picture, that revelation that God is telling you, will include the local church. It will include the local church. The question will be, what is God telling you about your contribution to the kingdom? And that is a question I cannot answer for you. That is a question no one but you and the Holy Spirit of the living God can answer for you. And I want to tell you this is worth prayer, this is worth thought, this is worth focus until you see it clearly. Perhaps you knew where you fit. Perhaps you've been here at Erie First for a long, long time. But God is writing a revision. God's writing a revision. And you need to pay attention to see where God needs you the most right now. Maybe what the role you thought you were playing, God is writing a revision. I want you to know that God will give you a provision for every vision he puts in your heart. That Be careful to look out for the revisions when God changes your direction, when he, when he helps you figure out the perfect way. And that no matter what, God will meet us in these moments. This is us, loving, building, sending, so we can love, build, and send some more until God's kingdom comes. This is us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with this song that talks about the hills and the valleys of our vision. And I want you to just absorb it. Ask the Holy Spirit of the living God to begin to speak to you. Jesus, I thank you that your word to us isn't just a vision. It's not a vision all alone of things we can see. But God, it's a revelation. It includes things that we can never understand how you will do it. But God, we know that as we trust you and as you roll out that plan for our lives, God, that nothing can stop, that no word from you will ever fail, your word says. And I pray today that with great anticipation, Lord, you would give each person in this room a very clear look at where they are supposed to impact the most in the kingdom. I pray, God, over this next month as we uh, do some particular things, as we talk about groups and teams and talk about worship and, and begin to align ourselves all together, God, that you would plug people into the right places. God, that we could function and fire on all engines, Lord God, because we want to be the most effective church for your kingdom. God, time is short. 
There are people that need you. There, there is a culture at stake. There's generations. And God, you have called us to be the generation. Lord, nobody else. You've called us, men and women who live in this generation, to tell each other, to tell the world about the hope of who you are. And God, I pray we could take that urgency seriously today. God, would you do something new in us? In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.
Thank you. Would you stand? God, I thank you for all that you're doing in this body of faith. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that our confidence rests in that. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.